<laughs> All right. Hey, what's going on? It's Bill Burr. It's time for the Thursday afternoon, just before Friday, Monday morning podcast. And I'm just checking in on you, seeing how your week's going. You know why? Because I care. All right. Unlike these politicians and these these hairy legged so-and-sos and the pharmaceutical companies, I care about you which means I have a tour coming up and I need to sell tickets. But that's not what this is about. I have a guest here today, one of my oldest friends in the business, the Rose Bowl tailgate legend who's out there now with his own headlining tour, the one and only Joe Bartnick, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) What's up, Bill? I will tell you what's up. Last night I watched my Celtics. Dude, I I put the game on in the second half. They were up by 50. (laughs) Wow, that's very nice. At one point, they were up by like 54. They ended up winning the game by 50. It was like we put our bench in, and um, Pritchard was leading the way. Who, you know, sometimes I think sometimes he starts. I'm not sure if he does. I don't think he does. But uh, he was just draining threes. Everyone was just having a field day on the uh, the Brooklyn Nets there. That was the inverse of my sports experience last night. As what Aaron will know, uh, the final nail in the Pittsburgh Penguin dynasty coffin oh, no. was nailed last night. What if happened? there was any glimmer of hope that even I had kind of shut the door on, uh-huh. done. Florida Panthers came in, boom, boom, boom. The big cats ate us alive, booing the power play. The Penguins were booed. Sell that crowd booed the penguins so where are you guys in the standings uh we're looking up at everybody except like columbus on the outside looking in you like, don't experience that much i know yeah. the feeling of losing to the panthers so i'm not gonna <laughs> tell a bruins fan about that i mean the games at hand are just a bag of shit in my hand it's just done the lint what happened you know everybody you know everybody kind of got old the bottom six didn't our power play is if our power play was not the rank, our power play is like rank 30th in the league. And we have four Hall of Famers, technically. That's only two higher than me. <laughs> I know. Literally, it's the bottom. And that's why Wait, we're... Wait, they got 32 teams or 30? 32. 32. All right. Yeah. I'm, th- I'm ranked 33rd. If you ever saw me play over at the Pickwick Bowl. Oh, my God. How about me? <laughs> this is funny. When you sent me the clip of like 1970s hockey, they kind of skated like me. <laughs> oh, I sent, I sent Bartnick this great clip. Uh, in color of, uh, what was it? It was the Montreal Canadiens against the Kansas City Scouts, who later became the Colorado Rockies, who later became your New Jersey Devils. The Devils, the Devils, the Devils. I'm, I'm like, there's only, there's only uh, three teams, two teams that I can think of that have moved four times. Oh, maybe the Raiders, too. There's the Sacramento Kings. They were the Rochester Royals, the Cincinnati Royals, the Kansas City Kings, and then the Sacramento Kings. And then the Oakland A's were the uh, the Philadelphia A's, yes. the White Elephant, and then it was the Kansas City A's, then the Oakland A's. And now if this goes through, which I don't know if it's going to. I was just out in Vegas, Joe Bartnick, and they were going to uh, – they're getting ready to tear down the Tropicana. It's about time. It's a legendary place. No, it's a great place. Two legendary stories out there. All right? One, not so much. We'll start with mine. It's not, I, I got replaced as a headliner. The first time I headlined there, I was like 28 years old. You know, I was some up-and-coming guy, and they stuck me out there. <clears throat> and it was like a blue-haired crowd, and I didn't know how to play to them. And I was doing all my, my fucking hip New York City stupid shit, and they were just staring at me like, you know, Nobody cares. <clears throat> so then by like, I think I got there on a Tuesday, Thursday morning, the lady who ran it, she's like, yeah, hey, Bill. Uh, so how do you think it's going? <laughs> I was like, oh, God. 
Now, my girlfriend at the time, I flew her out, and she thought I was headlining, and then she showed up, and I was middling. And the other famous story was the feds uh, didn't like there was too much mob activity owning the place. So they decided that they were going to make it more legit and give it to a corporation. You know, that's what the feds did. So the two people that bid on it, um, Wayne Newton had a group of people, investors with him forefronting. And then Johnny Carson had a group. Yes. And then Wayne Newton won. And then Johnny Carson started doing jokes in his monologue saying Wayne Newton had a little dick. And Wayne was like, Johnny... You insult me a little bit, and Johnny kept doing it. And then Wayne, Wayne, Wayne Newton jumped on a little fucking puddle jumper, went over there to Burbank, had a little talking to Johnny, and that was the end of that. I literally just read this the second to last book I read. Yeah. I forget what it was called. I have no short-term memory. Yeah. That was the second to last book I read was about That's that. when you could handle it yourself because there was no cell phone cameras. Yeah, I guess, and I guess Wayne is a black belt. Dude, he probably grabbed Johnny by what was left of his hair and took one of uh, Ed Shaughnessy's sticks and stuck it under his throat and said, next time you make a dick joke, this is going to be a knife. Yeah. Uh, cut your fucking head off. And then Johnny was like, all right. And they used to be great friends. <clears throat> Johnny used to be big time in Vegas, according to that book I read. Yeah, a lot he of he backed those... away, which we, you, you wouldn't know, but you wouldn't know that because I guess no, I wasn't old enough to know that. But... Well, I think he was, <clears throat> he was doing the show five days a week and then he got his own clothing line. Those Johnny Carson suits. <laughs> Hagar. Yeah. <laughs> With the double split in the back and, 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 and the mud flap. Before we get going too far, um, this guy is one of my favorite comedians in the business. You got to go see this guy. All you guys out there like, oh, you know, everything's too fucking this, too that. This guy is going to be nice and unfiltered if that's what you're looking for. Joe Bartnick, speaking of Philly. Philly. Joe Bartnick will not have the Philly flu. On March 10th, he's showing up Sunday at the Punchline Comedy Club in Philly. Then what else you got? You got Zany's Comedy Club in Nashville, March 12th, Chicago, March 13th. And then you got the Punchline Comedy Club, your hometown, your surrogate hometown. Yeah, San Francisco. In San Francisco on the 29th. And, the 20th. Uh, and then the 20th, sorry. And then the 29th, if you're in upstate New York, Poughkeepsie. Yes. Uh, laugh it up. Hey, laugh it up. I love Poughkeepsie. That's a great, fun crowd. I'm in Denver the 21st, Herman's of, Hideaway. Where March. was that? Of March. I got yeah. like five or six big shows of March. Okay. All right. And that's the whole purpose of you being here. And hey. all I'm hearing is the feedback. I'm getting all these emails from fans saying like, oh, thank you so much for recommending this oh, guy. Oh, that's yeah. nice of you to say. Oh, there you go. I'm not saying it, dude. I'm reading it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not making shit up here. You're not a reader. <laughs> I'm not a big reader. He came in and just tried to give me a book, and I'm like, no, I don't accept cigars or books anymore. I'm getting that shit out of well, my life. You know, I've quit both. I've quit books. <laughs> well, books aren't healthy for you. <laughs> you, know, you read a bunch of stuff, and you, get, you, know, you learn stuff you don't want to know. I know. You know, I saw this fucking douche on... Uh, Instagram yesterday and he was going uh he was going like he in this sing-songy voice he was letting everybody know that like we, even though you put it in the recycle bin nobody recycles it and it ends up in the ocean and then <clears throat> the tires that they do recycle end up on playgrounds and they're giving your kids cancer and he's doing it in this sing-songy voice and I want to be like dude this information is at least 10 years old if not 20 I was years gonna old say, how's that new TikTok info 
Uh, I don't know. It was on Instagram, and he goes, and the ba 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 is giving your kids cancer. Like he had, like he had it all figured out. It's like stop acting like you followed a recycling truck to see where it went. Somebody told you this shit, and now you went on the internet trying to be Mister Fucking Know It All, and that's that's what I do. That's still happier though than my experiences on Instagram and TikTok because I'm in this algorithm of people hanging off of very very scary places, and I'm deathly afraid of heights. And, and somehow I'm locked in yeah. to seeing all this, and it's like it just gives me the heebie-jeebies. I, you know what's weird? I can't, I can't handle those. When oh, those, kid, when those kids walk up there, but once you start watching it, you keep, all you do is saying like, "Well, they have the video of it, so there's no way this kid died." Those ones where they have like the buildings that are under construction, and every time you're like, "All right, all right," they go up and up and up. Like they have like fucking no followers, or they're hoverboarding over <laughs> I stuff. I mean, fear. Sorry, or they're. Uh, or there's, you ever see the ones where they're like truck drive, truck drivers like in the Himalayas? It's like a one lane road on the oh, side no, of a cliff. fuck that. It's like, why are you doing, it literally though, I'm stuck in this abyss of all this comes up all the time. Well, there's a bunch of people in a bus and they're like hanging onto their babies and shit. And the guy has like, you know, the double wheels on the right. Yeah. Like one of them's off. And everybody's like, oh, oh, and then he gives it a little gas and he fishtails back in. Who has to be on that bus? Like who needs to, get, can't you just walk? Obviously, it's not an option, you know? Obviously. I mean, does Spirit run that bus line? <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> there has to be a better way to get there. You or, know, you or, know hey, they hey, got... Edna, I'm not going to make your uh, 80th birthday party. Yeah, because <laughs> I, mean, I would like to be 80 someday. I bet they board that bus like Delta Airlines that there's all these fucking pre-boarders. <laughs> and, and everybody sits on the left side of the bus. Yeah. Whatever side isn't towards the, the I fucking mean, e, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> they try to sell it that has a view. That's a great view. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you want to be on the scenic side yeah. or the safe side? They sell one side as a safe side like you're not fucking both going over. Um, there's, there's a drink cart. Yeah. Goes down. Dude, we were out in Vegas. Uh, we did the Anything Better, me and uh, me and, Verzi, and we got to go to that game. And like, dude, I got to be honest with you. The, the fucking Kansas City Chiefs getting points. I don't think I've ever been more relaxed. I just walked up with a stack of money and go, just give me the Chiefs. I knew that they were going to fucking win. I just, it's like they're the Chiefs. They, they just, they fucking win. They won two games on the road. Well, it's They've like, been there before and they're getting points. And I just had, I just, I, but the game didn't go the way I thought it was going to go. I thought the Chiefs, I thought they were going to match touchdowns and then the Chiefs were going to go a little bit out in front and... Purdy was going to have to go to the air and play catch up, and then his inexperience was going to catch up with them. And instead, it was their defense dominated, made Patrick Mahomes look average. They just couldn't convert it into points. They kept taking penalties and getting involved in like first and 15 or second and 20. But here's a stat, though the fucking Chiefs have not, in th their three Super Bowl, either their last three or their three victories, have not been called for holds. And they're showing some brutal fucking holds. And I was kind of getting David Stern vibes when I would watch the NBA going like, this is kind of massaged to, uh, I, th I think, I, you know, that in, in my heart of hearts, I really think though, they need the stories and they need the stars and stuff. And they just sort of like, you know, like when reality television at first was just reality television, but then you had to sift through 700 hours of footage. They're like, we're not fucking doing this. So they started doing assisted reality. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I wrote on a couple of those assisted reality shows. Yeah. Oh, you <laughs> did? Which one? Oh, well I was in one of them. The, my uh... wife's a whore. You want to swap? <laughs> 
Isn't that a show? Uh, you know, uh, well, uh, Eddie Griffin going for broke. I punched that show up. I remember that show. Eddie Griffin. It was great. <laughs> I watched it because it was Eddie's show. Yeah. I helped uh, punch up that show. Was that him about him doing st- stand-up or was that a thing about no, relatives? Was, I mean, this is like a long time ago. He was- in the was, 2000s. Yeah, it was in the 2000s for sure. He was, uh, he had like a bunch of, a, you know, a bunch of women and a bunch of, the whole life going. <laughs> Just Eddie Griffin. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he called me the white devil, but I was nice to his mom because I'm nice to everybody. So he liked me. But other than that, it was, uh, it was interesting. His, his manager at the time was Michael Jackson's manager, who was, who was... You're nice to everybody until you're not. <laughs> oh. Hey, Tom Cruise thanked me for coming out to see the movie. <laughs> there we go. You still like, I, I still enjoyed that. That's one of my favorite things ever. You know why I like Top... I guess Tom Cruise did a thing at the beginning of Top Gun, and he thanked everybody for coming out. I think I talked about the last time. Yeah, I think you did, and because like, you, you talk like, about it every time. You, go, you know what I liked about that? He thanked me. Like he went, hey, Joe, Joe Bartnick. I'm sorry, everybody else, but Joe Bartnick, I want to thank you. I am that narcissistic that I would think, yeah, he looked out and pointed Dude, me. Every, everybody who goes on stage has a, has a, 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 a at least a dash. Does you know it, isn't I mean? everybody, who is not a narcissist? Even nuns are probably narcissists. No, that's a narcissistic thing to say. Isn't everybody <laughs> like me? <laughs> no, what it, what it is, is I, I have a lot of experience with narcissists growing up with a lot of them and everything. The saddest thing is the person that they latch onto. That's the person you end up feeling bad for. So all of our wives. Yeah, or or like the husbands. I mean, it it, it goes both ways. It's kind of like, uh, and then you have like, I think white people as a race behave like narcissists. We're like, oh, that never happened. Ah, that was a long time ago. I'm not going to hire you, but get a job, you lazy bastard. Like, and, you, you, and they, they, you, you choose to live this way. Like we as a race kind of fucking... Uh, just don't take responsibility for anything or just say it was a lot. Well, I think I think everybody doesn't take responsibility for things they don't want to. Uh, I think that's once, a race again, thing. once again, <laughs> once again, I think everybody's doing that. No, people, there's adults out there. There's people out there that actually be like, you know what? You're right. Well, we're not getting I into politics. Wrong. Oh, so, I'm not getting into no, politics. No, I mean, so the Japanese, they take I was responsibility including, for I was Pearl including Harbor. liberals. <laughs> I feel like liberals are uh, a curse. Uh, they're, they're the a worst. Curse. They're, they're the worst. Curse. They're not a curse. Let, relax. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm, a, I'm a middle of the road guy. You're not. But we'll let you say that. Everybody thinks they're middle of the road. You lean. Everybody's leaning. Like the people on that. Well, bus. I'm leaning because I'm not crazy. Yeah. I mean, there it is. <laughs> yeah, look, can I tell you something? The whole world makes sense to everybody in their head. And if everybody would just do what I'm doing, it would all make sense. That's why I can't. Well, that's like the old Carlin joke, or I think it's Carlin. Everyone that drives faster than you's crazy, and everyone that drives slower than you's an asshole. Yeah. Right? You ever notice everybody else's stuff is shit, and all your shit is stuff? It's all the same thing. That's his joke. <laughs> hey, will you get your shit out of here so I can put my stuff down? That's how. That's how human beings are. That's how we're naturally fucking wired. And I blame God and I'm just sick of this devil shit that he keeps, he keeps putting it on the fucking devil. It's like, no, dude, we're coming off your assembly line like this. You know what I mean? Do you know how long it got me to to actually hear what my wife had to say? (laughs) I'm just like, until this morning. No, like, yeah. Like (laughs) when she, when she comes at me and says what I did, it's like, she's talking about somebody else. I'm like, I didn't do that. 
Like a long time ago. You said, Jesus fucking... I said it one time. She goes, you said it like nine times. Went to some event and I went, Jesus fucking Christ. I thought I said it once. She said I said it like nine times. And evidently I was embarrassing the hell out of her. And I had no fucking recollection of it. And I walked out of there. I felt like the victim. That right there is the human experience. Feeling like the victim when you're the aggressor. A lot of the times. Okay. And, and I would say everybody does that. Yeah, probably. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. But not everybody's going to be at, at the punchline on March 10th <laughs> on Philly. Woo! Right yeah, there. No, I mean, you know, I just think that I think the little narcissism is good for you. Oh, look who it is, everybody. It's old Zip. You know, our friends at ZipRecruiter conducted a recent survey and have found that the top hiring challenge employers face for 2024 is a lack of qualified candidates. But if you're an employer and need to hire, here's good news. Zip has smart tools and features that help you find more qualified candidates fast. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Burr. Here's how Zip Recruiters tools and features help you find the best people for your job. As soon as you post your job, um, ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology shows you candidates whose skills and experience match it. You can use Zip. Uh, recruiters invite to apply uh, feature to send top candidates a personalized invite to encourage them to respond to your job post. Let Zip help you conquer the biggest hiring challenges challenges of today, which is finding quality candidates. CY four to five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now. Zip. Recruiter. Uh, to try it for free, ziprecruiter.com slash burr. Again, that's ziprecruiter.com slash burr, B U R R. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Oh, look who it is, everybody. It's Policy Genius, dude. Host, talk about the importance of life insurance. Well, you got to get life insurance, if, especially if you have a family. What if you croak? You know, when then all of a sudden they're destitute, they're sitting out in the front yard, you know. With their light and leisure furniture, people driving by going, oh, my God, it's so sad he died. And now there they are sitting in the yard. They can be on the sidewalk because it's state property, at least for 10 days. You don't want to do that to your loved ones. Make life insurance part of your financial planning this year. Start shopping now with Policy Genius, dude. To find the right policy to protect your family. Getting life insurance today means you'll have peace of mind so that if something were to happen to you, like dying, your family can cover expenses while they're getting back on their feet. Luckily, Policy Genius Dude helps you compare your options from top companies and their team of licensed experts. They're on hand to help you talk your way through it. Policy Genius Dude. Their technology makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from America's top insurers in just a few quick clicks to find the lowest price. Even if you already have life insurance policy through work, it may not offer uh, enough protection for your family's need, and it may not follow you if you leave your job. Of course not. They're going to keep your money, the cheap pricks. Policy Genius Dude has licensed award-winning agents who can help you find the best fit for your need. They work for you, not the insurance companies. That means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another so you can trust their guidance. They don't have a side deal? Wow, they must be the only ones out there. No wonder. They have thousands of five-star reviews on Google and Trustpilot. Save time and money. Provide your family with a financial safety net 
by using Policy Genius, dude. Head to policygenius.com slash Bill Burr or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com slash Bill Burr. I'd say self-esteem. Self you got you to know your, your worth. Joe, if you don't know your worth, no one's going to pay you. No, exactly. No, I mean, I, mean, I think that's just self-confidence. That's just being happy with yourself. Right, Narth. I don't know. It, it, no, it just it all depends. It, it just it's all like everything's a fine fucking line. There's a fine line between being self-assured and being insufferable. You know, there's a fine line between yeah. being conservative and joining a hate group. There's a fine line between being a liberal and becoming a fucking fascist. It's all like really just like Isn't it's, it funny it's, how it's like, literally it's like this and like this. But everybody is it funny how like the most liberal and the most conservative people end up meeting at the bottom. A hundred percent. Dude, some of you should some of the fucking reviews from liberals of my specials. It's like they literally immediately judge me on my fucking my race, my my sexuality, and the you know the fucking straight guy whining about fucking air conditioning. Right. Typical blah blah blah, and I'm just going like, you're liberal. Like, uh, have you ever? And and then it, and then it, it's like totally like like reverse sexist, the whole fucking thing. And then you read the review, and it's like, dude. You had your mind made up of me before you even watched my special, and then you fast forward so you could get topics, and then he talks about this. And it's like you're not fucking watching this shit. That's you're the not. way it is. That's I mean, or is that my narcissism going like that's not what the special was? This special was magnificent. Well, it was a magnificent special, but you know, the truth is somewhere in between. But people want to just focus on what they. There's just a lot of angry. It's, see, I think my narcissism is this kind of. When I see haters coming to me, I just think they're jealous of me. All right. You know, like I don't know, like yeah. you know, they're doing their thing and they're angry, so they have to get back at me. Like you know, and I'm just living oh, my I, life. I take it personal. You do? No, no, you don't. <laughs> You're, you take very few things personal. No, I, 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 uh, I, I don't. You, you take sports more personal than other stuff. Yes, and I've given up <laughs> on that. I've given up on actually someone on the other side acknowledging, like, like take your Penguins. You know what I mean? Like they're never going to acknowledge that they had a bunch of leg breakers on that fucking team. <laughs> they're going to put them in the ring of honor and they're going to put their whipped cream on them and act like those people. I actually did. feel more comfortable defending Alf Samuelson. <laughs> And I do talk in politics. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, no, but I, 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 I'm not going to fucking die on that hill. I know you see nothing wrong with that guy. That guy is like, he's, he's an Eagle Scout. <laughs> no, he's, no, but every team, he's, he performed a function. Every team yes, has he guys did. that, yes, that perform functions. Yes, he did. You and, know, and, you might not like the way we liberate countries, but some of those guys, they got to do what they got to do, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, that's, that's a whole other thing. No, I don't get it. But I'm just saying, like, there's guys have jobs. They got to do their jobs. His job was to disrupt, uh, you know. Power. I hope nobody ever liberates this country. <laughs> I've they seen, probably have. I've seen the way it happens. <laughs> it doesn't seem too liberating. They're coming. Yeah. Are they? Who's coming? Uh, I we, think we they're, can all, vaporize they're already anybody. here. The people in charge. Are doing it to, oh, to yeah. us? Oh, the corporations. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Good luck with that. Good, then the, good luck uh, getting people to wake. That's up why I'm that. a narcissist. I just enjoy my cocktails. I enjoy my hockey. I enjoy Joe, my it's dogs. It's not. It's not the corporation. It's the ties. The color of the tie is what's doing. That's what everybody. Oh, everybody, the ties. I'm like, there's the ties. There's no ties. No, there's, no, no. There's shootouts now. <laughs> we don't have ties anymore. What did you think about the game? The Super Bowl, I thought was amazing, and it played out exactly the way I thought it would, was that 
I think San Francisco is a better team, but I would never bet against Mahomes. And I would have bet Mahomes except the fact that the Steelers won the season over after <laughs> like blowing two, losing to the Pats and somebody else uh-huh. when they were two two win teams within five days. And I'm like, there's no way I'm going to recover this over. And they did. I'm like, I'm done betting this season. Oh, you, you were betting. What was your bet? The Steelers over eight and a half. It was the biggest lock ever. Oh, the thing win more than eight and a half games? <laughs> yeah. And then it's seven and nine. They lost to two, two and ten teams in five days. Yeah, it's never a lock, dude. You, you always have to die like a thousand deaths. Yeah, I kind of felt the same thing. I, th- I thought that the uh, 49ers were a better team, and but the Chiefs know how to win. 49ers don't know how to win yet. And then the Chiefs are going to get the calls. They, they, they well, are. Holding has right. been allowed now because of guys like TJ Watt and that, the crazy guy I love on the Raiders. And, uh, oh, and, Max. and the guy in Dallas. The guys just can sack the quarterback at any, at any time. A very athletic 260-pound guy that can run like a 4-1 can beat a 390-pound <laughs> obese tackle around yeah. the head. So they have to hold because they just they when quarterbacks get hurt, look what happened. Burroughs hurt, they're done. Every team needs their quarterback to be healthy. So they have to protect that guy. That's why holding is basically legal now. Yeah, they're kind of they're protecting their money. And I and I think like right now, like if you look around the league, the Chiefs has kind of have the Ocean's Eleven cast, and then they added Julia Roberts up in the box with Taylor <laughs> Swift, and it was just like you knew that, you know. If there was going to be a, a, a tough call, which I, I'm not, I'm not really making this about calls or anything, but that is an added thing um, <clears throat> that Mahomes has an influence the way Brady did, the way Peyton Manning did, the way all of, all of the, you know, stars get fucking. But that, calls. I mean, that, I mean, think about it. Like they let Jordan get beat up, and then he took two years off. The first year, they the Spurs beat up LeBron, and they were like, you know what, we're not doing this again. We're letting him do whatever he wants because he's the money maker. Right. Have you seen some of the highlights of the fucking level of like double dribbling and, and fouling? It's fucking, I mean, uh, uh, traveling. Oh, it's, 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 even in college now, my wife's a big Syracuse person. And I watch like, I watch Syracuse now. It's just like the guys just treat it like they're the Globetrotters. Dude, there's one of LeBron on a fast break. He catches the ball maybe 10 feet past the half court line and he runs like four steps and then dunks. Yeah. And it's just like, what the fuck? Was this rugby? What just happened there? He just grabbed the ball and started running with it. I have watched uh, Jimmy Doors take me to a couple Clipper games, which is which is nice, other than the noise in the arena. Uh, it's fun. But oh, yeah, the DJs I, are definitely an issue in LA sports. They like they they are there, and they're gonna let you know that they're there. Even at the Dodgers game, they got it like do- at the baseball game. It fucking cranked. Um, well, me and Verzi went to the. Uh, so far together uh, this season we were just in having it having a tequila there was you know when it's like just a couple like teenage kids shagging punts mm-hmm. <laughs> there was like two punters on the field there was noise like it was third and ten in the super bowl in the fourth like <sighs> oh yeah and we're like there's no one no and then you look it. around no the you look around and everybody's like there's just no, there was no one the in the stands it was like a, it was it was la a half hour before the game so there's nobody yeah. there no. You know what I noticed, too, like how much they pump crowd noise in? I went to, uh, it was Saints versus the Rams. I mean, it's a gorgeous stadium. The stadium's ridiculous. You feel like you're, you're, you're in, it's like a green screen when you look across. So I, I was at the game and like, I just hearing this constant screaming and I'm looking around. It's like, nobody's cheering. Everybody 
You, you actually get drowned out by the DJ and the fake yeah. applause. And then the Saints did something, intercepted a ball, ran it back for a touchdown, and then they didn't pump any noise in. And then you heard the Saints fans and what they – it's like, oh, that's what real – cheering sounds like and then the second they got done cheering when they were lining up for the football the kickoff again you start hearing <sighs> and I'm looking around and everybody's just sitting there like I, I really feel like those DJs they're supposed to amp up the crowd but what they do is they they take you out of the game because their system is so much louder it's like I can't yell over that I can't be heard over that and like you're you know you just going second down and eight. And it's just like, all right, yeah, it's kind of all over the stadium. Like, I love when they, they're yelling what down it is and how many yards there are, yet there's these fucking giant TVs that have all of the information. And who, I mean, how many Taylor Swifts are there that don't know football? <laughs> like, who do you uh -huh. have to, like, tell what's going on to at a regular season football game. There's numbers on the field. I mean, it's it's right there. And then you got the guy flipping the thing over. You can see it there. You can see oh, it that's up on old the school. screen. I remember being insulted when they started putting the yellow lines. I like having to look at the marker. Oh, the marker. I like the yellow. I don't mind the on the uh, the on field graphics. Who's the first person to do that? And they got ridiculed on Fox. Probably was was the uh, yeah the NHL. Oh, the, the glowing puck. The glowing puck, and it had the tail. I mean, it was fucking bizarre. Well, but, now I like but it. But now everybody, and they all got ridiculed, but now, like, everybody took that technology. And I like when they do, like, the red zone thing. I like when they have, like, the first down stuff. Or they, hey, he's five yards from a field goal. Now, like, on the Ducks broadcast, sometimes when they shoot, it shows, like, like it's like in a golf shot when the turf goes. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it'll, like, show the shot, like, the speed oh, dude, of the we, shot. We played when we were out there. We played at this place, uh, the Summit. Uh uh, it's a private country club, and we're doing um, the Anything Better. Thank you to the people at uh, the MGM Grand Casino because it was a private thing. They're like, ah, oh, we want these guys to have a good time because we were trying to get, we were trying to play the win, but they, they were keeping it for all their high roller guests. Hey, we're not high rollers, so we couldn't get on there. And this guy just hooked us up. The most gorgeous golf course. I felt like I was in the fucking PGA. <laughs> I actually played better because it looked so good. The greens were super fast, but... Um, I had a great caddy, and you know what, Joe? I'm coachable, so I just did what he was saying, and I had a. I just had. Did a he good wear time. the caddy outfit? He had the whole fucking caddy outfit. Oh, uh, that's great. Oh yeah, no, we had a, uh, we had a good time, and um, you know, there was a couple of NFL players I saw out there. Oh really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna say the names, but like, dude, I got this one quarterback. I mean, fucking, they're all like six five now, and uh, but you look at them, they're not built the way they used to be built, where they were like all thick and everything. I think. Guys like Tom Brady and even like Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning played for a long time. They were more like, uh, like more like I don't know, like Pilates. Yeah, wiry. they do the stretching. They get their yeah, they get their limber. inner muscles strong, their core. Yeah, so like they they get they they try to become as double jointed as possible. So <laughs> when they get hit, they can take the hit. And uh, I was looking at the quarterback, and he looked more like he played basketball. You know, he didn't look like he was still big, but he looked like he would play two or three in the NBA, you don't look like it. It's like, this guy's taking fucking hits. Uh, it's amazing, those guys, anyone, when you see them in real life, that they take the hits. Because <laughs> you know hits surprised are so me? violent. You know who I saw a long time ago that surprised me how big he was? Was Joe Theismann. Oh, yeah, he's thick. Yeah, because Joe Theismann, he had like, he had like the, the field goal kicker, the one oh, yeah. bar, you know, so it, it didn't make him... That actually meant he was a tough guy that he only had like the one bar, right? He was basically playing with like a 1960s football helmet. <laughs> And uh, I, I saw him at like a mall. I walked by him 
and he was he was dude he was like six two which was bigger back then it's now everybody's six five this was like in the 90s when i saw him but yeah dude he had like a fucking barrel chest and and at that point i mean he had to be pushing 50 and i was looking at like i would not fuck with that guy that guy would like choke slam me obviously he would he's a pro football player but it's just like you just grew up watching him getting thrown around by right. lawrence taylor and stuff so in your head you're like you're well, yeah, well, compared like, to this guy's like, like 5'8", and then you see him and he's like 6'2", you're like, this guy gets ragdolled? This guy would fucking throw me across the parking lot. Well, that's like compared to the Hogs, he's a little guy. But right. compared to the accountant, he's a What a guy. great, the Hogs. What a great name. Yeah. The Hogs, How many the offensive, lines, offensive lines had, uh, for that, the, that, our that, younger that, listeners, the, the, uh, the Washington Redskins, they were like, I think, I want to say like they, maybe it was the Cowboys, but they were one of the first ones that had a, an entire line that was uh, like pushing 300 pounds. Right. And, and so they were they, like, that's when no one went free agency. So they all stuck around for like five years, at least five, six years. They won three, three Who was Super that Bowls. top guy who was like six, seven? Um, what the, what was his name? Jacoby, right? Jacoby. I was thinking Jay Schrader. That was their quarterback. Remember, remember, like, Jacoby, the, remember yeah. the nose tackle was Dave Buns? <laughs> I tell. I know that. a lot of old hogs, uh, but it's funny. The Redskins actually started in um, Boston. Oh, that's right. I read that one time. Yeah, and actually, that guy was the most racist owner ever. I mean, it started he, in Boston. I mean, he, there you go. He, but he, but that's he had, what we're known for: <laughs> baked beans, chowder, and well, racism. He, he grew up in West Virginia and championship. It was on like the wrong side of the of the Civil War. <laughs> he rooted for the wrong team. Yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And that's why he was, he personally held the NFL back racially for like a decade. Oh, as far as like, but the NFL integrated pretty early. But before they real before they realized or before they said, hey, this might not be a good idea, or before this guy threw a fit, there was blacks in the NFL. In the 20s. Yes. And then they, they took them out. They took them out. And then they were like, well, we want to, you know, want to have a better product yeah what happened was they drafted a couple and they were like the best players like hey we should all do this it's like how it's that's why the sec got integrated the sec was all like we're, we're white and then all of a sudden like they started losing to like usc I'm like well, yeah, it always comes down to that yeah it's always it's always about money it's never about like uh the right thing but well i will say what the right thing is is to go out and, and uh see joe bartnick on his tour um we, we, we were i feel like this is like charlie rose this time it wasn't not too many laughs this show what do you mean? We were laughing? Okay. That was like a very serious conversation. Narcissism, politics. We never Did get this heavy. Well, yeah, deep. we haven't seen each other for a while. What would we usually do? We're usually drunk outside the Rose Bowl trying to name every starting quarterback <laughs> from 1978. And we can. We can. <laughs> <laughs> I know my wife is like, Wait, you don't care about very many things. Bob like, Greasy, Steve uh, Grogan. Joe uh, Ferguson, I'll do. We'll do divisions. I'll do AFC East first. Richard Todd and Burt Jones. Burt Jones, oh, I love Burt Jones. Maybe it was a Ram for a minute. All right. uh, okay, okay. Then we have we have Sipe. We have Sipe. Brian Sipe. We have Sipe. Uh, Terry, uh, P- Pastorini, and Kenny the the Candles Anderson. Kenny the Candle. And then Bill Kenny's okay, always and, the and last then, straw. That's always the one we never get. He's and a, you just gave it to me. Bill Kenny on the Chiefs. Ken Kenny. Stabler. Dan Fouts. Air Correa. Jim Zorn. Zorny. Yeah. Who am I missing in that division? I think we did the all. Broncos. Uh, Craig uh, Morton. Craig Morton. Craig Morton. All right. Now oh. we go. Now you got to do NFC East. NFC East would be. Oh, it's Pasarchik. Who was he playing for? The Giants. 
Oh, my God, I wouldn't have got that. I thought by 78, they had a draft Phil Sims. Well, I mean, Phil's more like the 80s, but I'll say Pisar- okay. Pisar- okay. Pisar- Pisarchik. And then, uh, well, Jaws. Jaworski. Or Roman Gabriel, early 70s Roman Gabriel, then Jaws. I got to love Jaws. Yeah. Okay, then we go Dallas, obviously uh, um, Staubach or Danny White, the Danny punter. White, yep. And then we have, uh, who's the other team in there? Cardinals. Cardinals. Oh, uh, oh, oh, Jim Hart. Yeah, Jim Hart. <laughs> Played forever. Jim Hart. Okay, then the Central. Not, I'm doing the Central. Okay. Bob Avellini. Avellini. Uh, and Mike, or- Mike Phipps. Was he on the uh, or Lynn Dickey? Who was Lynn who was, Dickey? Was the Packers? Mike Phipps was the Browns. Sorry, um, Lynn Dickey was on the. Mike Packers. Evans was on Good Times. Who was the black? Greg dude? Landry. Greg Landry was the, was the uh, and, and, and Doug Williams. Doug Williams. I'm and, missing somebody. Wait, oh, the Vikings. Hang on, hang on. Uh, uh, Fran Tarkington. Fran Tarkington before Tommy Kramer or Tommy Kramer. And the other one is the. By kid. the way, we both went to summer school, but we, we, <laughs> we can never forget this shit. And the other thing was the guy that's now the big time announcer on CBS. We used to play for the Lions. Uh, he does Saturday afternoons with Vern. Oh, Gary Danielson. Gary Danielson was a line. Yep. Okay. And now the West, a, uh, Pat Hayden and or Vince Ferragamo and or Roman Gabriel we accepted for the uh, uh-huh. Rams. And then you had the Niners is a John Hay- Well, John Hayden was way before that. Oh, it would be Steve DeBerg. Or Jim Plunkett. Or, or- J- John Brody. Oh, Brody, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All acceptable. Throwing to Gene Washington. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mean Gene's from Pittsburgh. Mean Gene. They said his guy's running style, running home from school. He was scared. Oh, God. I can see that. And then, uh, okay, so we had who's the other teams on the West. The, the Falcons. You got oh, the, the, the Falcons. Steve Barkowski. Yes. The Polish cannon. The Polish cannon. Yeah, Barkowski. And then, and then you ha- got the Saints. Wait a minute. Oh, Archie. Archie Manning. Archie Manning. Good call. But remember the when the original black dudes that played for the Bears, he came in for a minute. Virgil Livers. No, Vir- he's a receiver. <laughs> Virgil Livers. That sounds like a made up name. No, that was that was a receiver. He was a running back. I know, not Jersey Joe Jefferson. No, he, you're right. You're right. Who was that? It, it was it, Mike Evans. Was the guy in Good Times? Mike no. Phipps. Was it Mike Phipps? No, I, it was Evans. It was Evans. What okay. was his name? And I, no, I don't know. Mike Greg. I forget. Now I'm sorry, but we did get all 28. All right. I'm, I'm going to show. I'm gonna, we did get all 28. I got one for you. This is this. I like how we can name like 15 guys on the Big Red Machine, but I can't name 10 NFL uh, Major League Baseball players right now. I know all my. I am Super 70 Sports. <laughs> oh, that's what I say. Did you see Super 70 Sports the other night? Had a, oh, I didn't have to look it up. Marlon Briscoe. That's the quarterback everybody should know, but doesn't know. Marlon Briscoe. Played for the De- the Denver Broncos in the AFL for one uh, for half a season, lit the whole place on fire because the white quarterback went down. He went in there, and what you saw was the modern day NFL. You saw a guy running, improvising, doing all that. He became like a threat to run down the field, and then he was throwing dimes, and they didn't care. They were just super racist, so they just drafted another white guy, and they're like, yeah, and they shipped him off to Buffalo, where he finished his career as a wide receiver. Was still good enough to do that. But um, I don't know why NFL Films has never done anything about him or given him his props, because whenever they talk about the history of black quarterbacks, they usually start with Doug Williams, I want to say. And Doug Williams was amazing as a cream sickle. Oh, he was. And the, the other guy. He the was, other... and the first African-American quarterback to win Super Bowl, Super Bowl beating the Denver Broncos of all fucking people. Look at that. And I'll it tell comes you, full circle. The other great, great, great quarterback was Randall Cunningham. Oh, some of his highlights are insane. You know, the NFL films, though, they've buried. 
I, either they're too violent or something. They don't. You don't see any good NFL films. Anymore. I like, think it's all the, the internet Dick Buckus material and also is like bo- burned. But also, Sable guys passed away. The son died. I think he died before his dad. Man. Yeah, his dad I'm pretty sure that. Away, so. But you know, like you never when they show Dick Buckus, they never show when he's like losing his mind on the bench, all bloody, and he's like shaking like a serial killer. You yeah. never see when he's in the he's sitting in the chair like this one time. Like, what's his favorite movie? And he's like, I like when the head gets cut off and rolls down the stairs. I always got a charge out of that. <laughs> yeah, you never see those highlights anymore. I don't know. It's a, it's a sanitized. Uh, Why are they sanitizing wait, pro football? You know what I like though is um, Damaka Sue. Whenever I watched him play. Like everybody's, oh, this guy's a dirty player. It's like he's playing in the wrong era. And Dombagasu was a fucking 1960s NFL, not AFL. No. NFL, the violent world of Sam Huff type of player. He just played, like when he stepped on that guy, I loved that. Oh, yeah, that, that was just standard issue in the NFL in the 70s. <laughs> it was. I mean, if you look at like Mean Joe's like 10 most vicious acts, they're hilarious. Just creaming people. Yeah, and all illegal now. All illegal. Well, Unfortunately, Joe, I, I have I have a fucking meeting I got I to gotta get to. Um, I just want to say, dude, all of these years working with you on the road and watching you going out and just now killing it as a headliner, it's a, you know, to quote uh, LeBron James, it's about damn time. Oh, well, thank you. I mean, and like I've said, maybe on this podcast, uh, I got to like sit on deck. It's like how it's like sitting on deck and watching Joe DiMaggio. How could I not learn something sitting on deck and watching? It's more like watching Boog Powell. <laughs> well, big, if you know what he looks like. Although Boog Powell has a nice, he has a nice full head of hair. Hey, he's a Hall of Famer. Boog Powell, right? Uh, yeah. I think I look more like Rusty Cunts. Rusty Staub, uh, nice Rusty pinch hitter. There you go. We should do a super seven. I should do a super seventies podcast. I should get that guy. I love that. Why don't guy. you get super gingers? Super gingers. Super, super gingers of seventy sports. Bill Walton. Bill Walton. Yeah. Dave Cowens. Dave Cowens. Dan Issel. John Madden. John as Madden. A coach. Yeah. All these guys. All right. Rest in peace. We're gonna All keep. Right, we're gonna keep talking here. Uh, Joe Bartnick, everybody. Thanks, Bill. Regular on my podcast. I'll help you promote all your dates because I believe in you, brother, and I'm I'm so happy for I you. I love coming on, and thank you for, for yeah. me having you on. And you were on. funny, dude. You were funny. You, okay, you thanks. I know. I see that's how my narcissism, I worry about things. All right. I want to be great. This is like, like you is, have like a condition. This is like the Tonight Show. My when, edgy, my, 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 my narcissism. <laughs> I, 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 I get nervous. When I did this the first time, it was like I did the Tonight Show. People call me from all over the world like, hey. Did you see the, uh, the, the Lovitz interview I did last week? It was great. That's all we do. He's still giving me shit. That's what he does. He just goes on and on and then he goes, and your turn. What's so great about John Lovitz is he's like the nicest guy in person. Oh, you know what's funny you about know, him? For, for, for his character, I want to say character, he's yeah. like the nicest guy. His brand, bargain brand, John Lovitz. <laughs> you can get John Lovitz's fucking brand at the dollar store. <laughs> there will be a return episode. I was being nice. I'm, I'm coming for you, Lovitz. I noticed you pulling your punches a little bit on him. I noticed. He's well, a legend, It's like though. beating an old dog. <laughs> I wouldn't do that to him. That fucking basset hound face. I can't do that to him. I'm taking free shots. I know. You, John Lovitz. It's like you're cutting a wrestling promo. He's going to come out from the back heat with a chair. See, <laughs> <laughs> Lovitz. Let's be honest. Lovitz looks more like a manager than a wrestler. All right. That's it, everybody. Joe Bartnick. Go see him in Philly. Go see him in Nashville, Chicago. All the working towns. Denver, San Francisco. San Francisco. Chicago. Really, We've had great times really in Chicago. There. You work to make your rent there, but that's all. That's all like all you tech bros. 
who want to be manly. Go down and see this guy here who has an, who has an unironic mustache. All right, that's it, everybody. Thanks for watching the podcast. We got some music coming up picked out by the wonderful Andrew Themelis. We have a bonus half-hour episode of uh, the Thursday afternoon just before Friday, Monday morning podcast. Joey B, love you, brother. Thank you, love okay, you, Okay, we'll see you. time for the Monday Morning Podcast for Monday, February 15th, 2016. Hello, how are you? How was your world going on this Monday? How was your Valentine's Day, huh? Did you get her something special? Um, if you're a smart son of a bitch, um, you're either not in a relationship or you're not taking her out until uh, tonight or tomorrow or whatever, whenever the prices go back down again. You know, and by the way, if enough people start doing this and the old fucking restaurants get wise to it and they start making their prices higher, Valentine's Day prices a few days before, a few days after, then fucking wait a week, wait a month, do it a month earlier. Um, It's the biggest fucking ripoff probably of the year, other than probably what's going on to Bernie Sanders, but I don't really understand. I guess she has some super delegates, you know. Oh, fucking Hillary Clinton's got the super. She already has the super delegate. She already has 100. She only needs 120, whatever the fuck that is. Jesus Christ, it's like it's like playing bridge, trying to keep up what's going on. I have no idea. All I know is I like that Bernie looks like an old dog trying to eat a meal when he's talking. The fucking jowls going and the weird things that his fingers do. I like it. I could look at that for four years. Um I got to admit, and as much as I don't like all the racist shit Trump is doing, I do love some fucking jerk off yelling at other politicians. So that part has been enjoyable. You're a liar. <laughs> there, there, there weren't any mass weapons of mass destruction and they knew it. I mean, he sounds like he's quoting some podcasts. <laughs> um, I have no idea. At some point, I'm going to start paying attention. There's got to be some even keeled. So-and-so out there, I have no fucking clue. I have no clue. And last week I said that I hated when people uh, in the public eye talk about uh, politics. You know, that's not true. I hate when they fucking tell me why I should vote for somebody. Oh, shit. Were you you the guy from uh, Interview with the Vampire? Oh, yeah. Who should I elect for leader of the free world? It was like when Tom Cruise was talking about psychology. It's like, oh, yeah, you pretended to be a Shogun warrior and a NASCAR champion. Let me, uh, why, by, by all means, let me listen to you talk about uh, modern medicine. Um, as long as you preface it with, like, I'm a fucking moron, I don't know what I'm talking about, but uh, here you go, you know. But when you really start believing it, that's when you get in trouble. And maybe I believe it. Maybe this is the way I'm just sort of soft peddling it to you. I'm playing the moron as I'm fucking feeding you my little, putting a little uh, ringworm in your fucking ear, whatever people say there with the fucking earworm, right?
some song you can't stand gets in your fucking head. You know, it's kind of a weird one is when a song you like gets in your head and then you don't mind and then you drive everybody nuts around you. Like uh, um, Steve Gorman from Steve Gorman Sports sent me this this link to this uh, this country star that's been um, that's been struggling for a long, long time. And he finally got a big break. I believe he's a distant cousin of Roy Clark. I'm not sure, but his name is Wheeler Walker Jr. And uh, he sent me a clip that I'll send you guys. Uh, it's a great fucking song for Valentine's Day if you're not in a relationship for a man or a woman. And uh, the hook has just been stuck in my head. And I really want to sing it to you, but it's going to ruin it for you. So go look up uh, Wheeler Walker Jr. Uh, well, I guess the song kind of ruins it. It's called uh, Fuck You, Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and it's really catchy. And it's... Uh, I don't know. It's 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 kind of poetic. I really think the uh, the chorus really sums up what you feel when somebody breaks your heart. So um, you know, country music. Those country music stars they can do that to you every once in a while. And it's nice to see someone go to the left. You know, those fucking country singers. Those those poor bastards. For all these fucking years, you know, they've been abusing drugs, and you know going to clan meetings and uh, beating the shit out of their women. But when they get on TV, they got to do that family values thing. You know, they got to get, I just want to thank Jesus. And I'm just, I just feel blessed. Y'all just, just take me into your hearts. You know, Hey, you want, you want some potato salad? That stupid phony fucking Southern thing where if you're from up North, the first time you see it, your, your heart melts. When you hear that twang and you just think that they're the nicest fucking person. Nobody can stick the fucking knife in your back. Like a fucking southerner with that fucking, hey, y'all. Don't you, you know, I'm just fucking, they downplay it. They play dumb, but blah, 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 blah. And next thing you know, you're laying in a fucking pig trough about ready to get fucking eaten alive. That's how it goes down. All right. And that guy from fucking 50 snatches and 40 smoking barrels. That's where he got it from. Okay, not from that cunt, you know. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Anyways, I uh, I watched a brand new TV show last night, and uh, I was really fucking disappointed. You know, I fucking turned it on. I needed a new show, and I thought it was going to be the one, you know. I was like, this is going to be it. It's Valentine's Day night, okay, me and the lovely Nia, we're not going out. I had a fucking one of those tomahawk steaks frozen in the freezer. The fucking freezer. Right? Defrosted that bitch all day. I watched like 30 YouTube videos. This is hard, dude. This is hard, dude. You know, if you're going to do a tomahawk steak, there's only one way to do it. As far as I'm concerned, I watched like 50 of those fucking things. And I just sort of like, I took a survey with temperature and time flippage and all of that stuff and i went down the middle and uh i got a little impatient with the big green egg my temperature was a little higher than i wanted so it came out of a medium rather than a medium rare but it was still fucking delish and uh there was a new series that um that i tried to get into last night and i put it on and uh it looked good the acting was great but the dialogue just wasn't there and i tried to fucking fight it out for the first 20 minutes and then I just looked over at Nia. Nia did one of those. Yeah. You know, big inhale and the fucking eyes like, yeah, this is, uh, yeah. And then I was just like, well, let's shut it off. She's like, no, you know, we got to at least watch the pilot episode. 
you know, which is how she ended up marrying me because I believe 20 minutes into our relationship, she was like, yeah, but she fucking stuck it through. Right. She kept panning for gold and she found a little nugget and she stuck with me. I didn't. I was just like, fuck this. I'm out. And, uh, by 40 minutes into it, I was imitating people in it. And uh, the whole thing just went down the shitter. So once again, but you know what? You know what I'm finally going to do? I think I'm finally going to start watching Game of Thrones. Now that they're fucking 5, 10, 15 fucking seasons into it. I've been trying to watch it for the longest time, but uh, Nia's just not into it. You know? She doesn't want to see a bunch of white people running around chasing dragons. It's just not what she's into. And uh, I'm not really into dragons either, but, like, if you're going to cut somebody's fucking head off, like, I'm, you know, you got to do a lot to lose me after that point, you know? I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Who the fuck knows? Maybe I, I remember watching the first one, and there was some sort of spooky thing going on, and there was some little kid that was supposed to watch a beheading, and he looked away, and then his, his, I forget what his dad did, put him on the rack or something. I don't remember. Um. But then I don't I don't know what happened. And it just kept it kept going and you know it was like a train that was coming, right? And you could have ran and caught it, but I but you don't. You just stand there and you watch it disappear. And in that moment when that train disappears and you realize you're late for work, in that fucking moment you question everything that you're doing in your life. Why didn't I run for that train? Because I have this job that I don't like. What am I doing in this relationship? What happened to me? What happened in the last six years of my fucking life? Right? It's a critical moment there where you have to beat all those thoughts down, bury them, and go back to being the zombie that you are, which brings me to the walking dead. No, I'm kidding. Um, anyways, I want to thank everyone um, who came out in Cheyenne, Wyoming. I kept doing a southern accent the entire time I was out there, and I was addressing it, but uh, I don't know what Wyoming people sound like. Um, Cheyenne, Wyoming, and Denver, Colorado. I went out with uh, Dean Del Rey, and uh, we had a great fucking time. We played this um, the Cheyenne Civic Center. How cool does that sound? Had all this amazing woodwork inside of it that really looked like one of those log cabins that either an oil man or a fucking Hollywood starlet goes and buys. You know, like when people like it, a huge amount of success pretending to be other people at some point they have to get out of la then they always end up in like wyoming or montana it's fucking hilarious and they buy a what looks like a log cabin sort of it looks like a log cabin and like a fucking resort all at the same time you know and then they go out there and they buy their uh designer i'm a fucking cattle rancher wardrobe and then they do the fucking interview, right? With their big stupid cowboy hat on. An older, wiser so-and-so steps back to uh, evaluate the last six years of a whirlwind, whatever the fuck it is, right? You know what I mean? And then they pretend that they can live this little fucking life out there before they go nuts after three days and they call up a G5 to pick them up and take them right back, you know? And they end up back down the chateau. All right, the chateau maman. Um, doing blow in a bungalow. That's what you do. You're finding a little bit of balance. Um, oh, speaking of fucking, before I go back on that shit, speaking of fucking sick ass houses, I was, I was, went on this Paul Newman kick. You know, he's my favorite of all time. You know, 
lot of people go Steve McQueen. I like Steve McQueen, but Paul Newman's my guy. Um, he's my fella. I just, I don't know. Once I look into those blue eyes, I just, I melt to just say anything. I believe it. Are you a pool shark? Are you a lawyer? Do you play hockey? Um, I watched, um, well, I guess the first thing I watched, I watched uh, The Man with the Golden Arm, which, D- which Del Rey was telling me to watch, which was uh, a movie about f- uh, Frank Sinatra playing a heroin addict who uh, you know comes out of jail and he gets clean and he plays the drums and he wants to get a gig playing drums. And uh, I watched a great fucking movie. There's some brutal, brutal overacting. Um, you gotta, you, I don't know. I would definitely recommend seeing that. So once I finished that, you know, it's like the next thing that was coming up was, uh, somebody up there likes me, which I'd always heard of when I was growing up. And then once I saw it was Paul Newman, I was like, all right, I'm going to watch it. And it was him playing uh, Rocky Graziano, the Rocky Graziano story. And, um, and I literally forget what I was talking. Oh, that's right. That's right. So it just got me on this 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 Paul Newman thing. And you know what's funny is uh this this thing actually Steve McQueen is in that movie for fucking 2 seconds. And uh it's right as uh Graziano's getting out of some fucking uh you know juvenile detention home that he fucking escapes. So he's going around the neighborhood tapping all these guys, all his tough guy friends on the shoulders to be like, "Hey, I'm back in the neighborhood." And all of them turn around like, "Who the fuck is this guy?" right? Cuz cuz they're tough street kids. So fucking, uh, fucking Steve McQueen is shooting pool. They Rocky taps him on the shoulder and he fucking turns around with a knife out just whoosh, within two seconds. And then he realizes it's, he's like, it's Rocky. And he's like, Hey Rocky. And he does this stupid fucking thing with his hand that I don't know who fucking there's certain things in movies that the first guy who plays that guy does, and then it's this weird fucking thing where every other actor after it starts fucking doing it, and you know nobody ever did it who's actually the guy that they're playing, but then it's done enough in fucking movies that the people who are actually the guy, then they start fucking doing it, and that's when it becomes a circle, and you don't know who the fuck it is. It's this fucking thing like... a. Uh, it's almost like, say you were getting a manicure, right? And you wanted to dry off your nails and you do just, he's like, hey, Rocky. And he's doing this stupid fucking thing with his hand. Um, I don't know. I'm going a really long way here to tell you what I really want to tell you. But like one of my favorite things is to watch actors during that era playing tough street kids. Um, like it's just, it's fucking cringeworthy. That fucking movie that Marlon Brando did. He's on the motorcycle. What the fuck was that one called? It's not the Wild Bunch. That was a cowboy movie. Rebel Without a Caught. Now nah, that's James Dean. I can't remember, but just the, the you have to sit there and watch that shit. Um, how fucking brutal it is. That West Side Story, which I don't think I've ever seen. I'm just going to throw that in there because I need three of them. Um, I don't know. Whatever. So I started watching that. So then I finished that one. And then the next one that came on, I can't even remember the name of it. Fuck. Hang on a second. Now I got an IMDB fucking Paul Newman. Um, he just has the bluest eyes. Paul Newman, IMD fucking B. Filmography. So anyways, um, I think it was called, not Hudson. The long story was this next movie comes on, right? And 
in the beginning, he's driving in this car and he's clearly in Los Angeles, which was one of my favorite fucking things ever to just see old footage, black and white or color of LA. And you just get to see like, you can usually tell by the Hollywood Hills and sometimes the highways and shit kind of where they are. And, um, you'll see like train tracks and shit that they ripped up those fucking cunts. Or you'll see, um, you know, you'll just see how less populated it is. All right, here it is. Harper. Harper's the movie. The very beginning of the movie, he goes into a house and uh, Lauren Bacall's in there. Lauren Bacall, who married uh, Humphrey Bogart, Bogie and Bacall, one of the great couples in Hollywood history. And, uh, you know, Humphrey Bogart, somebody that Frank Sinatra stole a lot of his swagger from. They were also the first Rat Pack, Humphrey Bogart and all his fucking crew. And uh, not only did uh, Sinatra steal a lot of Humphrey Bogart's swagger, he actually ended up fucking Lauren Bacall later on after Humphrey Bogart died, which is really fucked up. But anyways, I digress. So in Harper, he pulls into this fucking house that I could not believe. And uh, I actually looked it up and it still exists. Look it up right now if you're at work. Pretend that you're doing, uh, that you're doing some sort of um, busy work. It's, it's on 1011 North Beverly Drive, 1011 Beverly Drive. And uh, this fucking house, I think it's just called the Beverly House. It's in Beverly Hills. Probably has one of the sickest fucking pools I've ever seen in my life. It's like a three-tiered thing. The first two tiers, I believe, are just considered a waterfall. And first of all, it has like a half-mile driveway that he, he, he comes up around. And what's hilarious, which looks like the first year they had the Porsche, which at this point, by 1965, when they shot it, was just considered a piece of shit. Who would know that years later, some baby boomer would play like fucking 900 grand for it? So he's driving up one of, you know, one of the fenders is like that fucking, you know, what's that, that paint that they primered and all that shit. So he pulls up in this fucking house. You got to see the backyard of it. So actually I looked the fucking thing up. I found out where it was. And the next time I fly a helicopter, I'm going to fucking fly over the house and check it out. Um, It's actually uh, just a little bit north of the Beverly Hills Hotel, but you got to check this fucking thing out. Um, one of the great things about living in Los Angeles, a lot of people, you know, always shit on living in LA, but one of the amazing, I think LA arguably has some of the most amazing homes um, in the country, just for the simple fact that for whatever reason, I don't know if it's the weather out here or what, they haven't been torn down. Um, so many of them, um, you know, other places that I've been to, but they have like craftsman houses out here. And then they have all the, the, the Spanish, the Mediterranean style ones. They have, uh, they got, uh, it's just incredible houses. So you got to check this one out. This house is actually kind of ugly. You know, when you pull up, they shot the Godfather part two there, but uh, part one there, this is actually the house where, uh, the horse's head scene, um, Spoiler alert, if you're one of the two people who've never seen that fucking movie, they shot that scene in there, and JFK and his wife Jackie had their honeymoon in this fucking house. I just saw it recently. The last time it sold, it sold for $135 million. (laughs) And all I'm doing, looking at it, after buying my old ass house that was made in 1923, all I see is 
is fucking 50,000 square foot of galvanized pipe and cloth wiring that they're going to have to somehow fucking redo. Well, sections of it. You know, there's a little bit of copper pipe here, a little bit of wiring that was done correctly. Um, But anyways, that's another cool thing about these fucking houses out there is that they've been around so long. And if they're in a desirable area in Hollywood, like the stories of like the people that live there, like how cool, I mean, that's a $135 million house. Obviously it'd be a fucking amazing house, but how fucking, you know, how amazing it would be to have that house and be like, you didn't see a movie and you're watching Paul Newman walking across your fucking terrace that you now want. I don't know. I think that shit's cool as hell, but, um, you know, while you're at it, you can check out a lot of those and also just look up famous Hollywood homes. Um, I told you there's a house about not even like, I don't know, maybe a 15 minute drive away from me in, and in Los Angeles, 15 minutes is a big fucking deal. Sometimes just, you know, 15 blocks, it can go one way or another. It can literally go like to, I'm going to get stabbed to how the fuck can you ever afford to live in? How many people did you steal from to get this fucking this guy's got a moat around his house. That's, that's the way LA is. It's like really like patchwork. So like a 15 minute drive away from where I live, um, my neighbor told me there's a house that went up for sale. I think I told this story before. And um, it's an old ass house. It's pre-prohibition. And basically uh, when prohibition came around, this, this house had a pool and then it had a uh, cabana. And in the cabana, this guy, he built a bar during prohibition and he had illegal booze or I don't know if he was making beer in the bathtub, whatever the fuck he was doing, but he used to, he used to have all these famous people come over there and they would just booze it up. And, um, he, anybody who came over there and drank that was famous, he would have them carve their names into the bar. And, uh, evidently, according to my neighbor who went and looked at the house, even though he couldn't afford it, he just wanted to see the bar. He went and looked at it. And it's one of those things. If you buy the house, it's that, bar is obviously protected by the historical society is some shit but you go in there and everyone from like louis armstrong to like fucking humphrey bogart have have carved their names into that fucking bar so um whatever that's some sort of nerdy los angeles house shit but um yeah definitely uh rather than work today just go on google earth and just look at some of those fucking houses um, or just Google like famous Hollywood homes. Dude, this homes were like, you know, when I was watching that, you know, somebody up there likes me. Oh, I should really know the name of the fucking actress. The one who plays Paul Newman's love interest, obviously, is an absolute uh, fucking knockout. And I'd never heard of her. So the fact that I never heard of her. I'm like, ah, fuck. I, I've looked up enough of those, those old movies. Like, I got this creepy thing that I always look people up like an older person. I'm like, all right, that person's definitely dead. Let's see how long that they, they lived for, right? <coughs> or you try to find a cast where, like, everybody's dead, you know, which is a very difficult thing to do. So anyway, so I started looking up, you know, the people that were, you know, this woman. I hope I say her name right. It's P-I-E-R. Is it Pierre? P- Pierre? I don't know. And, and Jelly, I have no idea. I looked her up, and I was immediately going like, she probably died of pills. Because back then, like, I don't know, like, getting given people pills. Like, it seems back then, every guy either died of a heart attack in his 50s and 60s, 
or he died of cancer. And like 90% of the women died of an accidental like barbiturate overdose. Because back then, like, you know, if a woman came in and she had some emotional issues, you know, the doctors were like, for God's sakes, get a hold of yourself. And they would just give her some pills to relax her. It was like in that movie Airplane where they were just slapping you and giving you a backhand and shit. So um, she was just, just gorgeous, amazing actress. And then, of course, I looked it up and, um, you know, she died accidentally. Um, some people say suicide. Some people say accidentally at 39 years of age. And then I look it up and sure enough, the place where she fucking overdosed is still there. <laughs> That's another one of those things. It's a really fucking... You know, it's either cool or creepy. All these fucking houses that people died in. There's another actor in there. This guy's Sal uh, Minio or whatever. Um, I swear to God, who's a dead ringer for Ralph Macchio. He's in it. And uh, he ended up, he got fucking stabbed to death in like the mid 70s. It's fucking unreal, man. Like a lot of people, a lot of stars back in the day, they, they didn't make it. They didn't fucking ride it out, it seemed. Like, just crazy shit happened to them. And I guess what I'm saying is that a lot of these houses still exist. And if you're sort of a... I guess I'm becoming morbid in my older age as I realize, you know... You know what I mean? Your your mortality, you start looking. How long did this person live? How did they live? How did they die? Fuck, is that going to happen to me? You know, that type of shit. I don't know. All right, let's uh, let's read, (laughs) let's read a little fucking advertising here for the week. Oh, Jesus. Um, oh, by the way, I'm doing my first solo flight through uh, Bravo Airspace. So if you're still on the map, if you're still on the Google Earth map, I, I love looking at this shit, right? And you go on to, uh, you go on to, um, what do you do? Well, you click it on the fucking globe there. All right. Now go over to the ocean. Okay, follow Santa Monica Boulevard over to the ocean. All right. Right where it says the 10. Now go down a little bit and you'll see something that kind of looks like a tree, but it's made out of water. That's Marina Del Rey. All right. Now, if you're flying south, that's where Bravo airspace begins along the coastline. And when you're there, you have to be at 150 feet or below at or below 150 and then you transition the Bravo airspace. If you go a little bit further south, you'll see LAX. All right? And that's to the south of it is 25 right and 25 left. And to the north is 25 right, 25 left. Those two runways. And those are where the big boys are taking off. So you fly underneath those guys. Or ladies, and you stay at or below... Um, 150 feet until you get to, and then you got to zoom in, uh, the Manhattan beach pier and, uh, which is almost a beam as they say, the, uh, comedy and magic club down on Hermosa beach. Um, so you want to be, you want to be right down there, 150 fucking goddamn feet. Um, no, wait a minute. Wouldn't that be Hermosa? Yeah, no, no, I'm sorry. Hermosa beach pier is where the comedy club's at but the manhattan beach pier that's where you want to be you got to from from there to marina del rey you got to be at or below 150 feet so if you come out here and you're on the beach as a tourist you see these helicopters flying by really low uh they're not buzzing the beach looking at you or whatever they are uh 
they are transitioning the Bravo airspace. So I'm going to be doing that. Um, I don't know on what day, but that's my big goal this week with the helicopter thing there. Um, but anyways, let's get back to the, uh, let's get back to the podcast here. Um, where is it? What else did I want to talk about? Oh, how about those Boston Bruins? Now I know we lost. I know we lost to, uh, the Red Wings. I didn't get to see the, uh, the game yet. I have it taped. I'm a game behind. I watched, um, the, I'm actually a game in two thirds behind. I watched the first quarter of, uh, of us beating the wild and Brad Marchand scored again, his 12th goal in 12 games. And I actually looked up the ticker and I saw that he scored his 13th fucking goal. And, uh, in 13 games, the guy's on fire. And, um, I saw his goal in the, um, the Minnesota wild game, um, a shorthanded goal, just a beautiful pass. And, uh, I don't know, it's fucking awesome, man. He's going to have, that guy's, he's on his way. He's going to have like 40 goals this fucking year. Um, and I got to say, just the Bruins and the Celtics this year, both of them, I was just going to be like, this is, you know, after all the moves they made, you know, I just kind of felt that neither one was going to be that competitive and it was going to be tough to watch them this year. And uh, I am, I think they're both overachieving. It's been fun to watch them. Although for some reason, my fucking recorder stopped taping the Celtics games. I was really getting into it watching Isaiah Thomas and um, Crowder, uh, Jay Crowder, and uh, who's the jam band guy? They finally learned his fucking name there. Uh, Kelly Olenek, right? I was enjoying watching it. And our young coach there, who I still don't know his fucking name because I always tape the games and they talk to him and I just fast forward through all of that shit. And then they just show him. I think his name's Stan, Steven, something with an S. Sean, I don't know. He looks like a baby, man. The guy's like fucking 15 years younger than me, and he's coaching the Celtics. He's doing a great job, and evidently we got a couple of number one draft picks. We're in a great fucking position. Um, I missed the All-Star Weekend stuff. I saw some of the dunking stuff, and Kevin Hart. Did anybody see Kevin Hart? He went up against some other NBA guy. I can tell I don't watch fucking NBA. He went up against a professional basketball player in a three-point contest um should i give you a spoil alert or should i do the the clickbait and the results will surprise you (laughs) who gives a fuck he actually beat the guy and what i loved about it besides being a big fan of uh his stuff and everything was when he went to start shooting his three-pointers, they were playing disrespectful music underneath them. They were playing this, um, oh, isn't this like, oh, it's adorable. Or isn't it silly that this little man is going to come out here and try and beat one of our professional athletes? And uh, they were right through the first two racks. And then he fucking closed strong. And I think he might have beat him on the last ball. You got to see it, Matt. I mean, it's... Uh, it's pretty fucking impressive. If I remember correctly, a long time ago, he was telling me that before he was a comedian, he went to a, uh, you know, he went to a basketball camp that had a young, unknown Kobe Bryant and that type of shit. So, um, but still, man, you know, it was a long fucking time ago. Since then, he's gone all the way to selling out the Eagles football stadium, doing stand-up comedy. You'd think that his basketball game would drop off a little bit that maybe he'd be a little rusty at the Y forget about being able to beat a fucking NBA player in a three point contest. It was pretty, uh, pretty goddamn impressive. Um, so anyways, let me get back. Jesus Christ. Wyoming. 
Cheyenne, Wyoming. So I go there and, um, you know, this was the last of the, the 50 that I had to do. So, of course, I'm reading all up on Wyoming and all that type of stuff. And I see that Yellowstone Park is right in the north, um, northwest corner of it. And I'm like, well, fuck, I got to go up there and go do a gig in the middle of nowhere at some point. And uh, maybe I'll do a nice run through Montana, Idaho, and all that shit, the Dakotas. Um, you know, I get into all that fucking nerdy shit, right? So we do the gig. We have a great time. I take some pictures with some people afterwards. And when I was on stage, I was saying, hey, where should we go tonight if I want to go out and have a pot, right? So, of course, everybody's yelling out everything at the same time, and I can't hear anything. So... I'm like, one at a time, one at a time. And then just in the back, this guy yells out, the green door. Said to go to the green door. And then the whole crowd just goes, ah, like, you know, don't go there. And I was like, I was like, I didn't even need you guys to say that. The green door just sounds like some creepy serial killer place. So I go, I'm not fucking going there. So then somebody said, I forget the fuck it was called, the Cadillac Lounge or something. I took a picture of it. So um, I... uh, I decide, you know, all right, that's where the fuck we'll go. We'll go over to this thing. I'm actually looking up the picture right now on my uh, on my phone here. Um, come on, come on. Where is it? Where is it? There it is. The Cadillac. Cadillac Ranch. Sorry. So we go in there. You know, there's a big American flag lit up on the side. I'm like, all right, here we go. Let's fucking go in there and see what this place is about. And we went in there. And I got to tell you, man, it was the most diverse group of fucking people I've ever seen in my life. And I think for the simple fact, there was no other place to go. So there was like a group of bikers. There was there was soldiers. Um, there was like ranchers. There was a group of lesbians, and then there was just filler people that you couldn't really tell what the fuck they were. They was older, younger, the whole fucking thing. So we're in there like, wow, man, look, this is fucking, this is nuts. And then it had a real like cowboy kind of feel to it, yet there was like a fucking DJ playing like modern music. It was this, it was fucked. So we're in there, and Dean, for whatever fucking reason, is just pointing at shit and people going, look at that fucking guy. Look at this shit. Look at this fucking bar. And I'm sitting there going, Dean, stop pointing at shit. Stop pointing at shit. You know, and Dean's been sober for like 20 fucking years, so he's got no excuse. He just kept pointing at shit. Um, and then finally, you know, I had a, you know, I was talking to a couple of the people in there. I was talking to this guy that was in the middle of taking a two-year welding class, which, of course, was really interesting to me. I was talking to him about that shit. I was talking to some other people, and uh, then at one point, somebody said, hey, you want a, a whiskey? So, like, um, my thing now when I go on the road and I drink, I have a beer and a, and, a, and a whiskey or a scotch, and then that's it. I call it a fucking night, and it's been working out great for me. You know what I mean? So I have a nice little taste, but then I don't get hammered, and then I'm fine the next morning, and I can work out and shit, right? So uh, this guy offers, you know, he comes over, hey, you know, I got to buy a drink. I said, well, I'm just getting a beer. And I said, all right, well, you know, I was going to get a whiskey too. He goes, what do you want? He goes, we got a local fucking Wyoming whiskey. I was like, all right, when in Cheyenne, let's fucking do it, right? So he gets me this fucking shot and he brings it over and it looked, it was almost like see-through. Now, I don't know if, if they did whiskey and water or what, but I fucking took a sip of it, and it had no bite or anything. I was just looking at him like, dude, what the fuck is this? And he goes, he goes well, it hasn't been aged at all. I got to tell you, dude, it was the worst whiskey I've ever had, 
And my apology to the person who bought me the shot, I, I couldn't finish it. I, look, I said, Dean, I go, look at this fucking thing. And Dean was just like, yeah, dude, that looks like piss. So, um, and then at that point, I wasn't looking, but Dean was saying that the biker people were mean mugging everybody. And he goes, dude, let's get the fuck out of here. So we get out of there. And, uh, oh, as we were driving over there, I noticed that there was a drive, there was a liquor store with a drive through So I was like, oh, God, I got to get a picture of that. So I get it. I pull over. I get a picture of it. And then I'm just like, dude, I got to do it. I got to go to a drive through liquor store. So I fucking pull up. We actually, I posted video of this. And I just wanted to get one beer. And the guy goes, well, I can give you like the 24 ounce. So I got like a Budweiser. Um, I'll repost the video on the, uh, the, the Monday Morning Podcast Twitter page. So I went up, I ordered a fucking beer. And what was really cool is it had the old fucking, remember the old air hoses when you would pull up at the, the, uh, the gas station and it, it would ring the bell like ding, ding, as your, as your car pulled in. It was so fucking cool. And um, we were sitting there and then this dude just sort of walked into the place or whatever. And as we drive out, there's an Arby's across the street, which I never fucking eat, you know? fucking fast food roast roast beef i mean i like to think i'm a courageous person but that's just a little that's that gets a little too shady for me right i'd rather eat the pink slime um so anyways uh delray's going like hey man he goes let's hit the arby's i'm hungry so i go all right so we go into the arby's right he orders some shit and then i ordered like some chicken sliders which i shouldn't have fucking got they were fucking disgusting it was like eating the heel of some chick's fucking boot boot you know just the way they were shaped like clogs they were just fucking gross so um we go around to the drive-thru and this is right across from the drive-thru liquor store and i look across the street and i read the sign and what does it say it says the green door so the drive-thru liquor store is part of this shady fucking titty bar called the green door that urban legend said that there was a one-legged stripper in now, the younger me would have been like, I got to go in and go see that shit. The older me goes like, oh, my God, that's somebody's daughter. So um, so technically, I kind of did go to the green door. I didn't. I didn't go in there. I just fucking pulled up or whatever. So I'll, I'll, I'll post some pictures of that shit. Um, let me see if I actually took them. So, and then the next day, we got up, right, and we wanted to go to some local place to get a... Uh, to get breakfast and we went to this local place and I don't know if the regular chef was out of town, but I ordered eggs over easy and I cut into them, dude. They were so undercooked. Like it came out clear. Like the white part of the egg was still clear. Like, you know, when those people drink like egg whites, it was like that. And so Dean's eggs were the same way. And uh, I just never sent food back. So I just stirred them in with the fucking hash. I mean, they should have just served the eggs in a glass like fucking Rocky Balboa. And I just suck it down. And I noticed a woman diagonally from me. She sent her eggs back, too. And then in the end, when I went to uh, I went to pay, she was just like, how was it? And when I said it was great, I kind of stumbled. I went, it was good. It was great. And then she goes and then she immediately looked up. She goes, is everything OK? Was everything OK? So. <laughs> I'm just guessing that the the normal chef was out of town, so I'm not going to out this place as being a uh, as being something bad. But uh, it was pretty rough. It was one of the worst breakfasts I've ever had. But uh, when we when we came back down, um, we were driving down to Denver. I literally feel like a little kid right now. Like I'm just telling you every moment of this fucking 
this tour, but uh, Dean's a big motorcycle guy. He's been riding for 30 years, so they had this huge fucking Harley-Davidson dealership right on the 25 as we were coming down. So we stopped in, and I didn't know, but Harley has a new bike that's just right out of my childhood. It's called the 72, and it's got the big spoked front wheel. It's got the handlebars. It's like fucking Arthur Fonzarelli's bike, which obviously was fucking uh, from the you know the fifties or whatever. But um, I haven't ridden in like a year and a half, and uh, I don't know, man. I think I got to ride that bike. I think I'm going to rent it just one day. There's a park up around where I'm at. I'll rent it on like a Sunday and just go up there in the morning time and just fucking ride it around and bring it back. I'm too much of a pussy to ride all the time because uh, you know I got too much to fucking lose and. Um, Oh my God. They had one in, in this black and gold metal flake. It was fucking good. It's just perfect, man. As much as I love the Road King, like every wannabe motorcycle rider who watched a couple episodes of uh, whatever that fucking show was. What was that fucking show there that everybody watched about, about the bikes? Um, you know, like every fucking wannabe badass who doesn't have a tattoo and is not a motorcycle guy. Like Delray took a picture of me on the fucking 70, the 72. And I just started laughing. I was like, how much, how much am I not a motorcycle guy? Like, do you realize of what a fucking nerd you have to look like to sit on a Harley and still look like a fucking, to still look like somebody you could bully? (laughs) I look like, Every fucking just white dude having a midlife crisis that like, you know, who watched it. What is that fucking show? What is the fucking show that was all about the motorcycles that everybody watched? I never got into it. Um, God damn it. It's it's the perfect reference for this shit. But um, anyways, I might have to rent one coming up. Uh, Might go ride a dirt bike and get my fucking my skills back up to the ridiculously low level that they were i just go to a local park out here and i just drive this loop around and around and around it's actually good because uh, there's a lot of downshift in that shit a lot of turns you got to look your way through all this shit that i learned in the safety course and everything but like i told you guys one time when i rode a motorcycle down sunset all the way out to the beach just like i wanted to just thinking uh this is gonna feel you know freedom man america right i was gonna see all this shit dude i didn't see shit i was fucking terrified there was just too many fucking people. And, um, you know, we went later than I wanted to go. I, I rode with Dean and Dean, got, you know, had done spots. So he didn't get up to like 10. So we didn't get on the road till like 11. And I wanted to go at like seven in the fucking morning when there was nobody on the road and really just be able to relax a little bit and not have somebody right behind me. Um, and I just remember getting off the bike and I was like shaking and I was just like, I had to have that fucking get out of your ego moment and just be like, Bill, this isn't in you. You don't have this in your blood. You're not a motorcycle fucking guy. You're just not. So don't be that shithead. And uh, I immediately sold the bike or got rid of it. Whatever the fuck I did, I don't even remember. But um, I don't know. I think every once in a while, if you know, I smoke a couple cigars a month. I got that under control. If every once in a while I rent a motorcycle, now I know everybody's going to fucking be like, oh, that's actually more dangerous because you're going to be fucking rusty. All right. Taking all the fun out of everything. Um, all right. Oh, also, uh, this week, um, I got back into like drinking juices and shit and there was this fucking algae shit which was disgusting when I drank it but I felt amazing afterwards and I'm trying to uh you know 
like Dean said, you know, it's a good addiction to have. Like you get addicted to shit. I, I realize that. And if you're addicted to like working out good stuff, that's obviously a much better thing for you. So I might try to get back into that type of stuff. But anyways, um, this, uh, this past weekend on Saturday night when I got back, I went to a, uh, this music, music cares event. And, um, every year they honor somebody and whoever they're honoring, everybody comes out and, um, just does this person's music. So say they were honoring ACDC, a bunch of famous fucking musicians that are into ACDC would come out and do all their songs and switch them up and do different versions of them. So it was Lionel Richie, right? Oh, what a feeling, right? So I go to this fucking thing and uh, it was unreal. It was like Lenny Kravis, Usher, who I couldn't believe how small he was. He fucking crushed it. Um, John Legend, Stevie Wonder. All right, all these monsters. And then Stevie Wonder. And I knew Dave Grohl was going to go on. And I'm like, how the fuck is Dave Grohl going to follow us? Is he going to play drums and sing? Is he going to do the come out with his blue guitar and sing? And he just went up and just sang a song. That was it. He told this fucking story about, you know, when he broke his leg. Remember, he fell off the stage? Well, he broke his leg. He was talking about all the outpouring from the fans and all that. And then one day he just got this giant fucking basket of muffins. The biggest basket, I guess, ever. This fucking giant thing. And there was no note or anything on it. And as he's telling this story, the, the, the band's sort of just playing, you know, some music underneath it. And he's telling this story. He's got people laughing, but they're listening and all that shit. And then like two days later, I guess he got a, he got a, uh, a call from his manager who said, yeah, uh, Lionel Richie, Lionel Richie just called up to see if you got the fucking giant basket of muffins. And then he just goes, uh, so I just, you know, I forget how we fucking ended the story. I'm butchering it now. Right as he ends the story and you realize that it was Lionel Richie, they kick into that, his song, you are, and, he, and Dave Grohl just crushed it. You know that song, you are the something, you are the rain. And he just was up there singing it, fucking crushed it. Went on after Stevie Wonder and crushed it. Um, so I, I, got to, I got to do that. You know what was funny? It was uh, I, I went down there and, um, you know, I'm not a suit guy, but you had to wear like a shirt and tie, dude. And I swear to God, like, I, I don't know. Just like me when I was on the motorcycle, when I, I had on that suit and tie, dude, I don't know what it was. Sometimes I look all right, but uh, the thing about suits is if you, if you, you got to buy them, like they go out of style really quick. And this one was like three, four years old. I just gotten it dry cleaned or some show the last time I wore it. And I put this fucking thing on and uh, I was talking to Nia. I was like, and I just kept going, I look like an asshole, right? Like, she's like, no, you look fine. I go, yeah, I don't think so. I, I, I look like an asshole. So the whole fucking night... Um, you know, anytime I would walk into the bathroom, you know, it was a long fucking night. It was like a four hour fucking thing, you know? And, uh, anytime I would go in there and I would wash my hands and I would just sit there and I would look at myself in the mirror. I just kept laughing. What a fucking jerk off I look like. Uh, I don't know. It wasn't a good scene, you know? I don't like hating myself. It's not a good place for me to be. <laughs> I just say, I think it's time to retire that suit. Um, all right, let's get into some of the, uh, some of the fucking questions here for the week. Um, uh, here we go. Uh, judge Scalia, 
Bill, listener from Virginia here. The death of Judge Scalia brought out some jokes on social media, and a lot of people took the angle that they were happy that he died. Now, I'm, I'm assuming this is somebody on the Supreme Court because I don't pay attention to this shit, but I did see some stuff about this is the first time the Supreme Court won't be conservative. He goes, what's your position on making jokes about being happy people died? Thanks for, for, for that laughs. I think you mean thank you. Thanks for the laughs. Um, my position on making joke about well, yeah, I think you got to be. Uh, I think you got to be like a dictator for people to do shit like that. Yeah, I, I, I mean, per, I wouldn't say don't do it because there's always a joke. I mean, someday when I die, there's going to be a joke. I mean, I'm, I know, and if I'm hovering around as a ghost, I'm going to laugh about it. What the fuck do I care? I'm a ghost at that point, right? I didn't go to hell. All right, I'm floating around. I can deal with this. Uh, but yeah, I don't do that. Um, well, look, if you just make a joke joke, that's fine. But if you're doing it because you didn't share like their political views, uh, yeah, I'm not into doing that type of shit. Like, you know, some, some shithead. I'm going to start doing this like the shithead tweet of the week. Somebody sent me a text today telling me that I needed to distance myself. Bill, just to let you know, you need to distance yourself from so-and-so. Um, and then sent me a link. And this is somebody that I've been friends with for 20 fucking years. And then I see this link and it has to do with being a vegetarian or eating meat. And the name of the video is so-and-so is an ignorant moron, which right there, I, I love like that's your angle, like to get someone to listen to your opinion. Uh, right there, I just look at it like this is just this is just somebody trying to make a name for themselves, trashing somebody that that has made a name for themselves, you know, with some over the top title. First of all, I love is an ignorant moron. Like that's like redundant. You know, he's a stupid, not smart person. Um, like I need to distance myself from from someone who's been a great friend for twenty years because of their dietary decisions, you know, because they talk about food and nutrition in a way that's a truth that they believe, and all this, you know, like, and then and then what? You're a fucking genius, you know, and it's just, you know, I don't know, I don't know why people do shit like that. So that kind of ties into, you know, I would never, obviously, you know, that's I don't know, I would never tweet at somebody like that. You need to distance yourself from this person because I don't agree with their workout regimen. And the same thing with like that, like if I, I wouldn't be happy that somebody died because I didn't like their political views. You know what I mean? I always have that in my head. They had somebody's dad, somebody's husband or some shit, you know, it's whatever. If he was a gay judge, that's somebody's boyfriend, right? I don't fucking know. I, yeah, I, I don't do shit like that. But if somebody does, you know, I'm not the comedy fucking police. Um, all right. Summer home. Bill, my wife wants to own a home by a lake in New Hampshire. That's fucking awesome. I'm trying to convince her that it's cheaper to just rent a sick house every summer for a couple of weeks instead of paying 15 grand a year in taxes on top of the mortgage. Help me sort out this business, please go fuck yourself. Well, what I would say is, uh, you know, you can rent out your house, your summer house, you know? This is what I would do. Okay, I would I would buy that house on the lake and then I would just rent the whole fucking thing out. 
And then whenever I wanted to go, I would rent some other place. You know what I mean? And this is how I'm weird. Because I wouldn't want to go into a place that I owned knowing that everybody fucked in my bed. I would rather go to a place knowing that a bunch of people fucked in somebody else's bed. (laughs) It makes no sense. What you should do is buy it and then rent it out. I mean, buying property is always great. However, if you're having a rough time, like I'm a big believer in paying down your first house. Um. You should really pay that thing down and get it under control before you go and get a summer house. And I do know that in relationships, when it comes to money, there's usually one person understands it and the other person doesn't understand it. And they want everything yesterday. And you might be a little more conservative, which is what you sound like. So, um, I, you know, I would just sit down and just say, look, first of all, you're in a great position because it doesn't sound like she can just go out and pull the trigger herself. So I just say, listen, I definitely want to do that, but we need to, we need to pay down this house a little bit, or, you know, if we can't afford it, let's buy it. And then we'll rent the thing out all the weekends that we're not going to be there. Um, I think that's definitely, there's definitely a smart way to do it, but, uh, I would just sit down and write out all the points that you want to make and then draw a smiley face. This is what I do when I'm being a smart person because I know how short a fuse I have. And uh, I write all this shit out, everything that I want to say and all that stuff. And then I draw a smiley face reminding me to not lose my temper, reminding me that other people are entitled to have different opinions and, uh, you know, and not to be a cunt. I didn't do that a couple days ago and ended up having a big stupid fight over the, the, the bathroom sink. You know, I'd gone on the road and it had start, started to clog up and I didn't have time to fucking fix it. But, you know, we had Drano. So I figured, you know, my wife would fucking handle it. And I come home to brush my teeth and I turn it on and within fucking two seconds, it's already filling up. There's a puddle. It's completely backed up. And, you know... It's usual shit. Usual shit in a relationship. You say to somebody else, did you notice? No, I didn't notice. And in your head, you're like, how the fuck did you not notice this shit? But what I I learned in that argument is I have to understand that there's shit that she's looking at me at, looking at me at about like, how the fuck do you not notice it? And it's just because I'm just not wired like that. And that's why you get married. Hopefully you're a yin and a yang. I finally said it right. I didn't say yin and yang. I said yin. Y-I-N. I think that's the first time publicly I've ever said it right. Um, yeah, they're going to be good at the shit that you're not good at. And um, I actually had a great day with Nia yesterday. Like, I didn't do shit for once, and we just hung out all day. And, um, you know, we watched some movies and shit. We made a little bit of food. And I always forget that, that every once in a while, you guys, you got to hang out with each other rather than just being roommates to remind yourselves like, oh yeah, that's right. We actually really love each other. I forgot about that shit. And I, I don't, the amount of times I've had to fucking learn that, you know, so you get married, you really start doing the math. Like, dude, fuck this shit. I don't need anything. I will literally give her everything. <laughs> I will fucking just give you fucking everything. And I will walk out with the shirt on my fucking back and I will start all over again. 
Like, I think that that's the way to fucking do it. And just walk down the street after it like Johnny fucking Appleseed. And, um, because I really think you just get into having all of this fucking stuff. But if you just let go of all of it, then you don't have it. I think getting divorced could be a really light feeling. This is how far I went over an argument over a clogged up sink before I came to my senses. I was walking down the street with the, with a stick, with a bandana and a peanut butter and jelly sandwich in it. Then I was just finally like, what am I doing? You know, stop being a fucking idiot. All right, let's get to some advertising here. All right. Me undies, everybody. Oh, gee, I got to sing this quietly because we have company over here right now. All right. Trash man, everybody. Hey, Billy Bubbles, Billy Bubbles in the rain. Um, I went to high school with a guy who picks up my trash. I get along with him and I always wave. And sometimes if he's not rushing, I'll have a short conversation with him. Last week, I saw my neighbor yell at him. He wasn't a he wasn't a jerk back, but he wasn't a dick either. What? He wasn't a jerk back, but he wasn't a dick either? Later on that day, my neighbor came over and asked me if I'd make a statement about the issue that he harassed her. I saw the whole thing go down. He didn't harass her. She yelled at him for coming a day late during a week when a holiday pushed everything back a day in terms of sanitation pickup. Uh, What a cunt. She said that even without my statement, she's going to press charges and file a complaint. I'm going to call the town or police and let them know what's going on. I'm so livid that she would ruin this guy's life. He's a great dude. Thoughts on how I should handle this. Should I report her for lying? Absolutely. And I would take time off from work to testify that she's a lying whore. Absolutely. Who the fuck yells at a trash man? The service that they're providing. Fuck her. Fuck her, dude. You know something? I would 100% do it, and I would, I would even fucking tell her that you're going to do it at some point. Not, not in the beginning, because you don't want to weaken his case. But I would do it without a doubt. And when the whole fucking thing goes away, I would let her know that you did that, and I would let her know what a small person you think she is, and that she's disgusting, and to stay away from you and anybody else that you love because she's subhuman. There. How was that? Dilemma. Dilemma. Dear Bill. Oh, what a fucking whore. You came a day late and then you harassed me. Gee, you know what? You know what she I, you know what I bet she does for a living? She sounds like a blogger. Always playing the fucking victim and always going down and just trying to get somebody in trouble and try and fuck over their, their ability, you know, to earn a living. What a fucking twat. All right. Dear Bill. <laughs> Would you rather have to live in an air balloon for a month, never having set down, or would you rather live in a submarine, never breathing the surface for a whole month? Both scare the shit out of me for a whole month, but I think I choose the submarine. Seems more natural. Yeah, and there's also a bathroom. I wouldn't want to have to shit on people <laughs> and, and pee. Well, I would obviously wait till I was over a uh, rural area. Yeah, plus you'd, you'd be inside. You'd have a bed. If you, when you were in the submarine, you have a blanket, you know? You get to be down there with all the fellas. Hey! <laughs> um, no, man. I mean, I think it would be cool to fucking look out the window and see all the fucking uh, the sea life and all that shit. I would go fucking nuts down there, but um, I don't know. Fucking... Up there in an air balloon? 
gets cold or hot, you're really dealing with the fucking elements when you're up there. It starts fucking raining. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, w- I would be, uh, I would get over that really quickly. But I think being in a sub, you know, you're down there, you could play cards, you could fucking break each other's balls or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, I definitely, I would think I would much rather do a sub. Um, and if I had to die either way, I'd rather die in a sub. I'd rather have it just fucking, you know, if you're going to die in a sub, that's going to be quick. You know? It's just, it's just over, right? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Sometimes maybe it might not be quick if they close that door. Yeah, those are two terrifying things. I got to go with you. Got to go with you on that. Um, all right, dilemma. Billy Boy. Uh, if you had to choose which holiday to get canceled and never celebrate again, would you choose Valentine's Day or President's Day? Who deserves more recognition? Your girl for doing what you do all year without a holiday? <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, we don't get a holiday. Um, or maybe I read that wrong. Or presidents who may or may not be horrible people who hurt the country. I'd cancel President's Day because I'd rather keep the one that involved chocolate being around. Uh, that's a good reason for it. Uh, if I had to get rid of one, I don't think anybody really celebrates President's Day. I don't really consider it a day off. It's kind of like Flag Day. You know what I mean? Or uh, Buttermilk Pancakes Day. Isn't there one of those fucking days too? Um, Jesus, you want me to cancel a holiday? Uh, I wouldn't cancel Valentine's Day just because women like it so much, believe it or not. I am a cunt, but I'm not that fucking bad. So I'd keep that one. Yeah, you know what? Fuck President's Day. All those guys are bought and sold anyways. You've seen it with Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders. You've seen how the Democrats are just going to pick her because she's going to play ball. They're all tied into the fucking, the fucking, I don't know what you want to call it. That, she, that Bernie Sanders is too fucking radical. He's going to switch shit up too much, and then they're not going to work with him. Even if Bernie Sanders gets fucking elected, they're not going to work with them. They're going to show their fucking true colors. They're a bunch of, they're just a bunch of, they're all bought and paid for. They, they're all, how the fuck did the Clintons got $3 million to throw their kid a wedding? You know what I mean? Give me a fucking break. Because you went out and you gave speeches to all the people that fucking financed your campaign. And then you hooked them up and looked the other fucking way. I swear to God. I swear to God. Do you wonder how the fucking pharmaceutical companies and the people who fucked up the food supply are able to do it and there's, no, there's nothing behind it? It's because they fucking paid everybody off. I swear to God. All right. I'm on my... I'm on my this is why I, I always vote for that third-party guy. And everybody goes, oh, you're throwing away your fucking vote. How is throwing away my fucking vote voting for someone who's a decent fucking human being? I swear to God, people, they, they, they don't want to try to do what's right. They just want to win. They want to be like, oh, my guy won. Oh, I'm on my stump again. See that? Every time I sit there and I trash people for fucking giving their public opinion, then look at me. Look at me. I do the exact same thing. I am what's known as a hypocrite. A hypocrite. Um, all right. That's the, uh, the podcast for this week. Um, I want to thank everybody that came out. Cheyenne, Wyoming. Uh, I know it was last second, but uh, I had a great time. I had a great time in your, uh, your, your state capital. Um, it was just a really, really cool fucking town. And I had a great time in the uh, Cadillac Ranch there. That sounds, I swear to God, like the fucking Bunny Ranch. It sounds like a fucking whorehouse, but it wasn't. Um, it was cool talking to the people there. And thank you to everybody, you know, that bought me a beer and a shot and all that shit. And thank you, everybody in Denver. 
by the way, which was just a fucking insane show. Um, that was another special one just because I've done so many fucking gigs in Colorado in the middle of nowhere. I always bring up Arapaho Community College. I'll never forget that nooner where they had me standing in an area where three hallways met right before class ended. That was a fucking nightmare next to a popcorn machine and five people scattered out about 40 chairs, empty chairs. Um, anyways, that's the podcast for this week. Uh, I'm going to try to watch some Celtics and get caught up on the Bruins games. Um, and keep drinking my juice. All right, go fuck yourselves. I'll talk to you later on this week. 